Welcome to Recruitment Bites, your podcast to level up your recruitment game. I am Alex and I'm happy that you are listening to today's episode. Today's episode is about Gen Z. And this episode is rather special because I'm not talking all the time. I do have two lovely guests who will be sharing their perspectives on recruitment. Both of them are part of Gen Z and have unique insights into what they are looking for in a job, how they prefer to be approached by recruiters and what they think of the current job market. I think this episode is very special. First, obviously, it's an interview. And also, Beery and Sophie are so transparent and so honest. And I really think that we can learn so much from them regarding how we can attract Gen Z in our recruitment process. And as you already know, I'm a huge fan of definitions. Gen Z also known as the post-millennial generation, is generally defined as a cohort of individuals born between the mid to late 90s and the early 2010s. People of Gen Z are digital natives, so they haven't grown up with the internet and social media. And what I really appreciate about this generation is that they are more diverse and tolerant than previous generations. They are also known for being entrepreneurial, social conscious and having a strong desire for transparency from the companies they engage with. For me, this interview was very helpful because I definitely want to understand Gen Z. And of course, I can read a lot of books and articles, but talking to Gen Z was probably the most helpful to really understand their attitude towards work, career and yeah, also, what does attract them when they are thinking about their next employer? So stay tuned and listening to today's episode with Sophie and Beri. And here again, thank you, Sophie and Beri, for being wonderful guests and yeah, making my very first interview so easy. Special guests who will be sharing their perspectives on recruitment. Both of them are part of Gen Z and have unique insights into what they are looking for in a job, how they prefer to be approached by recruiters and what they think of the current job market. Welcome to Sophie and Beri. Sophie, would you like to yeah, give us a short introduction? Who are you? Yes, of course. So I'm Sophie. I'm located in Berlin and I just recently started my first job within the HR field in a global, very big company. And there I'm kind of doing HR administrative work for a department within their Germany section. I am part of the baby perspective because it's my first job. And yeah, a lot of new things I kind of seen when I started applying and interviewing. Thank you, Sophie. And Beri, if you could also give us a short introduction about yourself. Hey, yes, I'm Barry. I live also in Berlin as of now, and I'm working for as a full-time for almost four years now with a break. So I studied in between and started in finance and now I'm in HR Ops. Cool. Thank you so much for both. And thank you so much for being in my podcast today. As I already mentioned, you can maybe give us a good perspective how Gen Z is thinking. And therefore, I would love to start with the first question. And Sophie, you just mentioned you are in your first full-time position you just recently joined. So what do you value in a potential employer? 
So what I really noticed, especially when interviewing with other positions I didn't um, in the end end up working in, is that I really value transparency and honesty in an employer. Just kind of expectation management, not trying to sell you something the job in the end really isn't. Because I would rather have someone being upfront with me, even if it means it's maybe less in the beginning for me in in experiences or also financially, but I kind of know what I'm dealing with because I think it stands for that the employer then really hears their employees and really cares about them honestly. And also, of course, I think incentives are nice. These can be financially or also in my position right now, educationally. I also really like if I'm being invested in, yeah, through education, if maybe financially it's not really in the budget right now. So I would say these are the two bigger things and then which also would tie into the next question, I think, is more of kind of how the work environment is. I personally really value a low-key work environment. So just a chill kind of, you know, environment in the office and not super stuck up or super strict or in high hierarchies. This is just something I personally prefer. I saw a lot of nodding from you, Biri. And although the podcast is <laughs> not to be like no one is seeing you nodding, Biri, but I saw it. <laughs> Do you agree with what Sophie just mentioned here? Yeah, I think there's a big, big plus, plus one from my side. So I value a lot transparency. Like I was am now in many interviews and switching from position to another one in another company. And I even like stopped interviews when the job that they described didn't fit what I wanted to. And just to respect the time of the potential employer and of myself as well, I just said, look, that's not what I'm searching for. Like, thank you so much for your time. And then they also agreed. And we just stopped like the whole recruiting process then. And for me, what is really important is that you just practice what you preach. So, I mean, every company has values if it's not an early startup. And if they uh, give me this, like any example of work culture or anything, and doesn't fit really like the values they mentioned on the JD, then sorry, job description, you know, and then I'm not in there. Like they cannot buy me then. And what is really, really important and what I noticed when I was searching for potential employers is they offer sometimes benefits that are just legal requirements. And I feel like this is such an ick for me. Like, When I see that, it's like immediately no. <laughs> Can you and probably some of our listeners don't know exactly, okay, what are legal requirements and what are benefits, which for you, Sophie and Biri and Sophie just mentioned, educational benefits are super interesting for you as kind of you also see this as an incentive. Like Biri, what are <laughs> legal requirements and what benefits would attract you? Yeah, so we mentioned that we're based in Berlin. So basically in Germany, you have this legal requirement of 20 days of annual leave when you work five times a week and 24 when you work six times a week. And it, sometimes it was mentioned like they offer 20 days of holidays. And I'm like, duh, like, of course you do. Like you have to, or like a stable position. I'm like, who would start an unstable position? I mean, <laughs> these are those kind of things where I think like, You, you cannot mention that, like that, that's not good for your brand. And what I really like is what also Sophie is mentioning, benefits with a purpose. So for example, like an educational benefit, so where you get a grant for yeah, developing yourself or time off for volunteering 
time off for uh, caretaking, these kind of things are really valuable. Nice. Cool. Thank you. One step ahead, Sophie, regarding the work environment. And you just mentioned, hey, you also would appreciate a low-key environment. Uh, did I understand this correct? Yeah. And also kind of a shield environment. Can you elaborate a little bit more? What do you exactly mean with this? Yeah, I realized I already kind of went into the lingo with <laughs> <which laughs> comment. But I guess, yeah, what I just mean with that is, for example, my first internship was in a very, you know, old hierarchy type of environment where it was all like very, you wouldn't step into the kitchen if the boss is there and you don't want to disturb and they eat at that time and that table and you have to be here because of the hierarchies. And this is just something I personally don't really like. I would rather have everyone in one, in one department being able to have a conversation with anyone. I don't like these kind of constructs that, that are really like, in the end, just being pretentious, I guess, because you have this age or you have this time in the company and then it come, it's already kind of tied to them being very smart or, you know, kind of, I don't know, better than the others or, yeah. So this type of mentality I don't really like that I have seen in one work environment I've been in so far. And I just prefer to be, more laid back and just more easygoing, I would say, because I really think at the end of the day, it leaves more room to actually go like getting down to work and, you know, connect with each other and have conversations and not be kind of tied to these rituals that are there for old reasons and are really just an ego boost in these old kind of, you know, ways of working. And I don't really think they have a value anymore in, in how we work right now. Because it's not really anymore about the suit you're wearing or anything like this, because we've kind of now have found different ways of working. But yeah, I just like it being more down to earth and not this kind of pretentiousness. <laughs> Interesting. Since I'm working since 10 years now on a startup and also like startups are always telling, yeah, we don't have any hierarchy. Everything is, <laughs> Billy is already <laughs> shaking her head. And again, for the listeners here, I'm just like telling you what is going on here in this call. Nevertheless, so what I understood is from you really like, again, and I repeat what you just mentioned, like transparency, honesty, and yeah, really like having this less hierarchy within a company is very important for you to also that you feel comfortable in the company you're working at. Yes. Definitely. Biri, <laughs> you were nodding and shaking your head. <laughs> I'm sorry. No, 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 no. It's sorry. Okay. Tell us, what is a good thing culture for you, our working environment? I totally agree to transparency and open communication because what I've noticed a lot is when there is no transparent and open communication, you lose talent. Basically, when you have employees who really like put all their efforts into but that's not the result you want to or the the kind of work you want to but you don't let the employees know by the time they get frustrated and as well you get so for me it's really important to have also regular feedback so i cannot wait for like six months or one year so that's a big no no for me and what where i shook my head was when sophie was talking about hierarchy and you also said yeah you've been working 10 years for startups and they also claim to not having much hierarchy but i have been working in several companies so in corporate as well as startups early startups as well as established ones and i noticed a lot hierarchy actually also in startups but 
the culture is not lived in the whole, let's say, hierarchy. So I would say from junior to senior level, there is like this culture that is lived with, without a hierarchy, but it gets more and more layers. And then the culture is not lived from top down anymore. So there's more like barrier to talk to people and you wouldn't know if you're not told. And what I really, really like, what's really, really appreciated from my side work-wise in a culture is if cultural work like diversity, equity, inclusion is appreciated within the company, even budget is proof for that and even time. Yeah, understood. For you, and what I understood is, Beri, is here that you, hierarchy is rather something from top to down, which you don't appreciate at all. And then also diversity and inclusion is very important for you. And I think diversity and inclusion, and obviously, and I was talking about this in some of my episodes, diversity and inclusion is a huge topic and it's a very important topic. And I always say like, hey, we need to talk about diversity and inclusion. Maybe, maybe for you as well, like what is diversity and inclusion for you? What, what does it actually mean? And when you say like, hey, if the company is actually offering budget towards this, what do you mean with this? I mean, I, it already starts with coding, to be honest. So I'm on the right podcast for that. So that when you hire for a position that you really try to implement unbiased or against biased techniques. So for example, blind resumes or sourcing female talent and the way to how to do it properly, trying to reduce as much as indicators of I don't know, gender, age, or whatever, when you um, saw talent, and that the job descriptions are also very inclusive, not mentioning too much of buzzwords like dynamic, young, fresh, employees are served or something. So this is like at the beginning of the recruiting phase, but when you started a company, it's also important that female or even marginalized groups are just supported. They have a supportive environment where they can live and embrace their culture and their personality so they don't have to code switch all the time and feel like they are not fitting and for that it's also nice if companies already have for example employee resource groups in place so that the marginalized groups can just join these groups and get mentorships trainings and networking opportunities and also just to add to this because i think we've been talking about it it ties well in with the transparency point if you don't use being inclusive and being diverse as something you kind of give as like a benefit or pride yourself in doing it if you actually then don't do it and don't really care about it. I would rather have someone saying, hey, we have not established this yet. We would like to, or maybe just don't mention it. Maybe you have climate change in mind and you want to do something in that direction, but don't say it just because now it's been kind of a buzz, like now it's been kind of trendy and kind of try to ride on this wave now and kind of, you know, take the support from other companies that really do it and really engage in changing something by just saying you're doing it too. And then in the end, when you end up in the company, you see that it's not really there, you know? <laughs> so what I hear is uh, don't bullshit with you. This yes, is exactly. For you. <laughs> I think you really value honesty and it doesn't need to be a big, it just needs to be transparent and real. Yeah, which makes totally sense <laughs> for yeah. me. And uh, this is how it should be. So the next question is, I would say, kind of a cliche question because when you hear about Gen Z, it's a lot about association of, yeah, they don't want to work so much anymore. Work-life <laughs> balance is super important for them. Penny, 
what is your opinion about it? What is your opinion about work-life balance? And yeah, when people are coming to you and say like, yeah, they don't want to work anymore. Like, how do you feel about this? Sophie, we would like to start with this. Yeah, of course. I, I, to be honest, I've heard this a lot and I had this um, discussion a lot with people and I don't really think, or I can speak for myself. I don't want to speak for my whole generation, but it's not so much that I feel like the people my age don't want to work so much anymore. Where I have a problem is when companies are not aware that there is a life outside of work, you know, and when it's just expected. At this point, for example, where I'm at right now, I'm actually fine with working more than maybe, ha like not, I'm not okay with not having a life, but I'm fine with working a lot. I just want it to be seen by my employer and I just want it to be recognized for what it is. And if that also might be in that I'm gaining experience or I'm being compensated financially for it, but I want it to be noticed and I want them to be aware that I will be working a lot. What I don't like is when it's just kind of swept under the carpet and they're like, why are you having over hours and working so much? And then when you look at all the tasks you have to do within a day, it's not doable, you know, and then they're like, oh, yeah, yeah. Then they just expect you to do it outside of your working time. Well, I don't really know. I don't feel like a lot of companies are not really aware of work-life balance. And that's, I think, where the problem is. Because then you're just doing a lot of work without it being really noticed on any behalf. So I think it is really important that you are aware of it and that you see where your company, how much work it will be required from the person you're hiring. I think that is really important. I think that's the bigger issue, more than people not wanting to work anymore. Because I think they really want to. They just want to know before what they're getting into. Yeah, coming back to the point you just mentioned, like being transparent to you. Uh, to sum it up, Sophie, is work-life balance is important and <laughs> employers need to understand that there is a life next to your job, but you're also absolutely willing to, to work a lot. You just need to, to be aware of this. Exactly. Biri, what is your opinion about it? I have to put in a pop culture reference. It really reminds me of Kim Kardashian saying, it seems like nobody wants to work these days. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, so it is absolutely vital to have a work-life balance. I accepted a job a year ago that only had 25 days of annual leave. And that really frustrated me because for me, this is so inflexible being around in the job market and also my friends with the industry is stranded between 28 and 30 days. So this is like one thing for me to have enough <laughs> annual leave days. And I got also an offer of 23 days just recently from my new employer. And I declined by giving the context of the industry standard. And they got after two weeks back to me with a new offer, which was 30 days. And they are also now going to change the policy just because they were searching so long for this position, like I think around eight months or something and somebody accepted and then declined after and then they got me and they like, we really clicked. And when I declined, my new manager was really upset about it and then challenged the policy. Now there's a new one. And I think this is something that I had also a discussion with our current employer with one recruit, with one recruiter. And they were saying that the Gen Zs are expecting so much from the current employer, whereas they were working on worse conditions. And I'm like, yes, but that's good, no? Like if yeah. people are asking for these kind of things, then you will also get it when you change the job, you know? And Why do you want to do things bad, you know, exactly. if it was exactly. bad for you? Absolutely. And uh, that's what I mean. Like I asked for more. Look what's happened. The policy is going to be changed. 
No, I love it. And I also <laughs> I need to thank you because your your generation is really brave. I would say like maybe our generation, my generation, and I also don't want to talk for my whole generation, but maybe we, are, we weren't that brave. We were just saying like, okay, let's do it. <laughs> but it's cool that you are questioning this. Biri, thank you so much for, yeah, for your insights and also telling us like about the, the holiday policy. But I would like to go back again to the question like what does work-life balance mean to you and how do you live work-life balance i think i've lost a bit of work-life balance being like a growth or start starting in a hyper growth startup which is now more established but in the previous companies i was working in it meant for me to start at a like time i want to start to work flexibility and then also finish after having done my eight hours Or even staying longer because I wanted to to get something done, so not because I was asked to. So this is for me like the work-life balance here, so that I just have to do the legal requirement. If I want to, I can do more, but it's not a given or asked. And uh, if it's asked, that it's compensated either in time or in yeah in a salary or in a bonus or whatever. Because for me, it's really important to just have a life around my job and not just identifying through my job. What I heard is, and it's also like for you, Biri, it's really like this appreciation part and also like, hey, I, I'm doing the job, I'm giving 100% into my job, but there's also, I want to do something next to my job or not next to my job, but there's more than my job. Absolutely. All right. And another point is, and you were just mentioning this, Sophie, that of course, diversity and inclusion is very important, but also like if a company is rather focusing on more maybe climate issues etc this is also absolutely fine so my next question is how important is a company's social and environmental impact to you when yeah when you're considering a job opportunity so for me it is important and i would always kind of check who i will be working for what kind of the impact is they're having i also have to say though that I think the bigger end goal, I think I want to, I cannot generalize, but I think for everyone kind of is to be working for something with a bigger goal, fulfilling a bigger purpose, fulfilling a bigger goal. I think that's the goal you want to reach at some point. At least it is for me, but it comes with trade-offs, I feel like, because a lot of times then these positions don't fulfill necessarily the needs in that moment. For me, it will be maybe you know getting a lot of responsibility right now and getting ex um, like experiences or meeting a financial goal. It's my first job. I'm now independent from my parents. I need to also, you know, start working. And so I think it's also a bit a point of sometimes privilege to only be waiting for a position that is like a company that is really good for, you know, a societal purpose or doing a big thing in climate change. These are very important things and I really value them. But for now, a company that offers me great experiences and maybe financial contributions gets the job done as well. So that's kind of what I want to say and how it is really valued for me, but I'm kind of working towards the point where I can be in a position with a company that does these great things that I value for society or environment or whatever, but still I kind of end up in a position where I'm also in a good point, if that makes sense. So yeah, I would say it's a bit of a trade-off. It's not so easy. Yeah, yeah, I understand. It's important for you, but you need the job. And sometimes yeah. it's also like, hey, If the company is maybe not offering this or they are not there yet, it's also okayish for you. But it's still important. I hope this is a good. Yes, step. I still would look what they're doing, um, and I still kind of want to 
yeah, I would still be choosy about it, but I, I, yeah, I, I think it's, it's just a bit of a trade-off. You have to think of how you want to approach it, but yeah. Yeah. Any add-on from, from you, Valerie? What is, is this um, also important for you? Yeah. So I agree to what uh, Sophie says to an extent, but what I also try just for my conscious is that I look for sustainable things that the company does without them mentioning it to the outside world to make me feel better about my job. So for example, when I see, oh, okay, this company is automatizing, I don't know, like uh, financial processes, that, that means there are less paperwork to do and less trees that are killed, you know, like always try to just please my subconscious in a way. And What I also definitely try to avoid, avoid is just to start a companies that are in the arms industry or gambling industry. So these are the kind of things I'm also considering if it's not only like social and environmental, yeah, having an impact, but also what kind of industry this job is in. Unfortunately, we are coming to an end and I have two more questions for you. And I think two more questions are quite interesting also for yeah everyone who is listening to this and i was asking myself the same question already and i would love to hear your thoughts about it do you think that traditional qualifications such as degrees certifications are still important in today's job market and yeah why or why not Eri, would you like to start with this Yeah, I, I really struggle with this one because it really depends on where you're applying and on what you're applying. If you apply in the private economy at a startup and you already have a foot in like the job market and you have already experience, then I would say it's not that important, especially if you start in an operations position or customer service or anything like, like compared to this. But if it's strategy position or if it's like starting in a consultancy or in a corporate, usually, yes, they require you to have at least like a bachelor degree. I don't agree with because I have a bachelor and a master's and I literally don't do anything that has to do with my bachelor's and master's. My bachelor's and master's were in, yeah, in economic law and what I'm doing now is HR. So <laughs> there's, there are maybe some touch points, but really all I do is research all day and this is, can be done by anybody, I would say. Yeah, um, I, I, it's so interesting that you're mentioning this, Yabiri. I just saw a job description also from a very traditional company, and they were also asking for an HR degree. And I'm like, well, do I really need an HR degree? <laughs> yeah, I agree with you, Biri. Sophie, what is your opinion about it? Yeah, I also agree. And I think also, unfortunately, I think it is still a door opener. And that, I think, is more because of the soft skills it kind of shows the employer you have and also the network you have. Obviously, I'm speaking kind of of the field now that we are in. This does not apply for, you know, if you're in science or something there, it's obviously like needed. But I honestly, in our field, don't feel like because I'm not doing anything but with what I learned from my degree. What I do every day is kind of self-taught. And, and that is for my employer, I think, interesting to see that I am able to research on topics. I'm able to have a discussion, I think, or I don't know, I'm able to have, you know, write down an argument or something like that. But other than that, I don't really think it has, it's really needed anymore. And I also think it's becoming less and less important because, yeah, as I said before, the, the ways of working have changed through different things, digitalization, but also COVID, for example. And then also, I think that the search for talent has just become so difficult because 
you know, skilled workers have become so scarce in, in our, like in Europe, I would say, that I think we will really move away from this t type of, yeah, thinking that you need to have a degree for everything, or at least that's what I'm hoping. And right now, what I'm seeing with my friends also is that it's really only needed if you want to stay within academia. Other than that, I don't really see any of my friends working in what they actually studied. So for me, what I'm seeing, it's not really important. At some point, nobody cares anymore because you don't really look at the degrees anyways. Yeah. Yeah. Um, interesting point. And maybe I hope that there's some changing because I totally agree with you both. One last question. And I think this is also a very interesting question, especially for recruiters who are listening to this podcast. Beri, what advice would you give to recruiters looking to attract and retain talent from Gen Z? And you already mentioned so much, actually. So thank you both, actually. But to sum it up from your perspective. How can we attract you? Wow. I, I think um, the way you can attract us is, as, a, as mentioned, just to be really transparent and practice what you preach. Like, whatever's written on the JD should be also reflected in what you offer to the potential employee. And really look through the CV of the Gen Z and see what they are aiming for, what they've done, and uh, really fit. Don't try to sell something like really try to see if it's a fit for the employee because we don't stay just for the sake of our cv for the sake of our career in a company where we're not happy yeah, yeah. totally totally agree <laughs> anything to you would like to add sophie yeah I, i just to kind of all concluded what we just said i think is really be honest, be transparent and be aware what the new generations want because I don't think it's the same things necessarily. Um, and then really look if you bring that to the table as a company and then whether you want to do it or not. And that like if you can meet these expectations or not, maybe you don't want to, you don't look really to, to hire Gen Z that much. So then it's fine again. But if you're really interested, I think you should really look at what they are now asking for and try to meet meet them and I, I think it can be done really easily by just yeah being honest and not having false promises and just think that they will stay forever even though you didn't give anything you you kind of promised and then also don't really value them in any way I think that's the biggest point cool thank you so much I think everything was so helpful what you just mentioned and I think for everyone who was listening or who's listening to this podcast learned a lot from Ren Z so thank you so much for yeah speaking for your generation Diri and Sophie and maybe we should have a part two because I have so many more questions for you so thank you so much Sophie and Diri bye bye thank you Alex thank you bye bye I hope you enjoyed today's episode. I did and I learned a lot. So see you in my next episode. Bye-bye.